following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. Today in Mark, if you've looked ahead at all, if everyone's read ahead, this is going to be the, a section we're approaching that is for a, it, the Pharisees come and discuss divorce. And there's a whole, ch- a whole big section here, a chunk on divorce. Um, there comes a time in a young man's life uh, when he has to stand up and say something that he is very uncomfortable talking about, doesn't know much about as far as experience. And I, that's me today. Uh, I come from a background, my parents are, are, have been together you know, their whole time, and I don't have any step-grandparents or anything like that. So in one sense, I, I come to you as someone that doesn't have any experience with actual divorce. I don't. I admit that up front. Um, we also know there are friends and family members in our congregation that serve faithfully, that are, that are very much understanding and experientially have gone through divorce. And we know how much of a pain and a hurt, and it shows the brokenness and fallenness and sinfulness that has come because of the curse. So we recognize that this is not an easy subject. The good news is, well, first of all, the good news is Jesus, amen, but the good news is that that's the, that's the beauty of expository preaching. When we come to this section, we have to preach it. Like, I don't have a choice about it. I come to it, I'm not going to jump over it. We have to come and deal with what the text says. So, so that you know, this is not pointed at anyone. This is as we go through, we need this. We, every single person in this, in this room, needs this today. We need to hear from what Mark has to say, even from the lips of Jesus. So it's important for us today, as we go to this passage, that we approach it with humility, with a new set of ears, that we would have the same kind of mindset when we come to this text as we do when we hear the feeding of the 5,000 or the, the story when Jesus heals blind men. It's the same type of ears that we should have. So I challenge you today specifically, because a lot of people will come and say, well, you know, divorce is, you know, it's, it's a little controversial and it's hard and he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not been there. You know, I'll listen to him respectfully, but, you know, we've kind of worked it through. We know where we're at. That is not your job today to do. I, I come as a bearer of the word, not as the one who has the authority. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I feel like sometimes it's just overwhelming, the fact that we take God's word and we preach it to one another. And men in my community groups and other men across, they preach it to me also. So as we hear today, my point is that we would have humble hearts ready to listen and to hear what Jesus has to say about this. That is where we're going today. And I would ask, as you approach us, that you would pray for humility and you'd pray that God would teach you and that he would bring you and, and, and you would have new ears to hear and listen afresh for what he has to say. So as Stacy and I have talked about this, um, we realize that we're dealing with two issues. The first is the worldly definition of divorce. We come to it and we realize that there are, you know, there are all kinds of definitions from those that are from the Kardashians to the, you know, to the Schwarzeneggers to Dr. Phil and Oprah, all these people that are making these definitions or just our neighbors, struggling people in our past. They are putting forth a, you know, a definition of marriage and a definition of divorce out there for us to decide whether we not we agree with it or what's going to happen. The government gives us an option about what marriage and divorce is also. So we have one thing showing, everyone brings us along with them. 
We have the worldly definition of marriage and divorce. And then we have the Christian baggage that we're bringing today also. Anyone who's either grown up going to church or has been a part of a faithful body or along the way has been taught something about this subject. So we have to bring that along. And again, the same point I just made before here. If we can, pray that God would give you new ears to hear today and that we would listen to God's word and what he has to say to us. Um, to answer this question again, we, we want to ask him, but to bring us back again, we ask him in prayer to guide us. We wait for him, but it should come to, as to, to anyone who has been here for any length of time, no surprise that we believe that he has answered us. We believe he's answered us most perfectly in his son, the word, Jesus Christ, but then also through fishermen, through shepherds, through prophets and kings and evangelists, we have this compilation of 66 books that make up our, our scriptures, our Bible. And he has answered us on all things that we need to know. So we have the confidence today to come and listen again and be changed by his word and his spirits using that word to change us, our hearts, our affections, our minds even. That's what we are coming here to do today. And every, every Sunday that we do, so this is nothing new. Nothing new. It's just that we are dealing with something that's a little bit different than what we normally do. So let's get down to it here. Um, let's read Mark 10, 1 through 12. If you have your Bibles ahead of you, you can take a look. Um, I'll read for us. Start in verse 1. And he left there and went into the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to him, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, of the, and in the, house the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning asking that you'd give us hearts of belief. Make our hearts believe, God. We come to you knowing that you are the God of heaven and, and that you, you have all things in your control and that you have plans that you are carrying out, what you've done in Jesus Christ, what you will do through the end of time. It is hard for us, God, to believe, especially when we don't like it. So may you take our hearts and open them to your word and to believe your definition of these things, not ours, not the world's, not anyone else's. But may we listen to you, however hard it may be. Lord, I pray that you would speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, this is the first part, actually, of a three-sermon series. So I'm kind of doing the introduction. Stacy will follow up in, in ne next week and the following, uh, the two more weeks after this. Um, and we'll talk about the rest of this passage. Um, but we thought it would be really important if we talked about the original institution first. 
Versus when the Pharisees come and talk to them, they're talking about divorce, something that's happened after the fact of the marriage. So it's important, kind of like when you, when you were looking, someone's looking at counterfeiting money. The best way to know what counterfeit money looks like is to first look at the original, to study it, to immerse yourself in it, to over and over and over again know it well, well, well. So that when you get a fake, whether it looks like one thing or another thing or another thing, they all look wrong from the original. So instead of studying this over here and studying the ten fakes that are out, let's study the one original. Then we know anything that's different from that is not the original. Same thing here. We don't want to study divorce. Let's begin by studying where Jesus does. And Stacy talked about this and we discussed it for a while. And as we did, I, I realized, and as we went back and we realized that this wasn't necessarily our approach, it was actually Jesus' approach. He's the one that comes back and brings it back to the original, the original covenant of marriage. Um, so we did that. In our, in our text, the Pharisees asked Jesus if it is lawful for a man to divorce his wife. Jesus responds to the question back to them. Remember, the great teacher responding in questions. What did Moses command you? Now, when he says, what did Moses command you, he's most likely talking about the what? The, okay, I heard the Ten Commandments. I heard the law. I heard maybe like the Pentateuch. We recognize that Moses is writing those first five books. That's what he's talking about, specifically the law, probably. But he references that. He's talking about the Pentateuch. He says, what did Moses command you? The Pharisees give him their answer, that Moses allowed it, according to Deuteronomy 24. If you look there, you're going to see it. He said you can write a certificate of divorce. Jesus responds, the complete answer, and says, yes, Moses allowed it because of your hardness of heart. That's not a good response. Like, because of your wicked, evil hearts, yeah, I let this happen. So there's more than that. Jesus responds uh, in a better way and says, that doesn't, you know, there's more to this. Did, they, did the Pharisees answer correctly? Did they say the right thing? Uh, kind of. The problem is there, there's something bigger. So who wrote the book of Deuteronomy? Moses. So they're right, right? He, they, they responded correctly. Um, but remember, Moses said more than just that in Deuteronomy 24. Moses said something far more significant as we go back in the conversations that we had in Genesis 1 and 2. And this is where Jesus goes. So Jesus begins with the original and true institution of marriage, and then he moves on to the question about divorce. It's super important. If you don't understand marriage correctly, we can't understand divorce correctly. So Genesis 1 and 2 are crucial for Jesus' understanding of divorce. So let's go back to Genesis. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read. There's only two verses that we're really going to talk about. Genesis 1.27 is discussing the creation of man as he is in made in the image of God. Very important stuff happening. There's a little, there's a, it's, a, it's a piece of poetry, actually. It's written by Moses. It says, so God created man in his own image. This is 127, if you want to look. In the image of God, he created him. doesn't stop there. So there's a key as like it goes, like a structure goes like, so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him. And then it says, male and female, he created them. There's not, the man himself, the, the male here, is not the only one bearing the image of God. In, in fact, in this structure that he's talking, he makes sure he puts it at, the, at a place of importance, saying that male and female, he created them in God's image. So to put to rest any sort of th thoughts today, 
There is no way in all of scripture that we're saying, especially foundationally, that we're getting off track and saying that man bears the image of God and, you know, women was created afterwards. Remember Genesis 2 where we're going to talk about take Adam getting his, his rib taken out and Eve made. That wasn't an accident because Genesis 1 was written first. And this is the plan of God from the beginning. And Moses makes a point to, to show to us and to point out that male and female are made in God's image. Very important here to what we're saying. It was not an afterthought. To be like God, to represent him, means to be human, means to be male and female. The narrative up to this point has said nothing about gender. The, the animals, the, the ground, said nothing. And then all of a sudden, male and female in Genesis 1.27. So it's important. Don't miss that. It's important that God has said something like that. Now when describing the image of God, both maleness and femaleness matter. Those aren't real words, but you understand. Neither one is more important uh, however, it is clear from the upcoming statement in 2.24, where we're going to go next, that man and woman together in marriage are no longer two different image bearers. They're now one. That's really important here for our point. It's important to see that this is foundational. Um, from the very beginning, God's plan for mankind, he has planned to create male and female perfectly representing his image. Now let's move on to the next part. So, as we go on, you're going to see that Jesus then quotes Genesis 2.24, almost perfectly. So okay, you can look at Mark if you want to, or you can look at Genesis 2.24. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let's talk about this for a minute. When man and woman are joined as husband and wife, they are no longer two individuals, but rather they are one. And if you think Genesis 1, 27 and 2, 24 are not about marriage, I just make the quick argument or point that Jesus is referencing it as the, as the, as the, uh, the passage that he's proclaiming about divorce and marriage. So I think that we're talking about marriage here. So that will help us here. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What about this word leave? I think this is really important for us to first understand. I think a better way for us to understand the word leave, because it's used the same way, and I'll, and I'll kind of explain, is the word forsake. When we're done this morning, we go out to our various gatherings and Mother's Day celebrations, hint, hint, boys, um, like we're going to leave this building. We're not going to forsake it. When we think of the word forsake, we think of like burning it to the ground and we all shall forsake it forever, this desolate place. That's, that's very strong, right? We, we have a very strong word when we think of forsake. That's a little bit more what we're using the term for here. Now, the Hebrew word will use that interchangeably. The idea here, though, is leaving or forsaking mother and father to cling to this wife, to hold fast to this wife. Um, it's, it's a serious thing. It's not like leaving the building, like I said. It's much different, and it's not in regard to a building. It's in regard to a relationship. Think about what's, what's, what's does anyone know? This is a little trivia. What's the fifth commandment? Does anyone know? Honor your father and mother. The relationship is prime in Jewish life, in Israel's life. We see from the Ten Commandments and throughout the law that honoring your parents is the highest human obligation next to honoring God. So then from the command to state that one should leave or forsake that relationship to join another, that's truly striking. Like it should get our attention. 
we just read it and it's what we've always read, but it's totally, it's huge. Leave and forsake the one that I've told you to honor and cherish and now cling to another. Hold fast to another. There's a completing thought here. That's first part, so leaving this, this forsaking this relationship to go to this. What's the next part, though? There's a completing thought here. Man isn't simply too told to, to leave, but um, I don't know if anyone has, is from, older, is from a, a, a King James using background, but the, the, the thought that I was always told was leave and cleave. Those were the words, leave and you cleave to your wife. The idea is holding fast, to grip, to become, to taking from this relationship to this other new relationship that is now so important that you will hold fast to it. Men are commanded to leave father and mother and hold fast to their wives. Now, our, our version, the one that you hold in your hand says hold fast. I love that term. It's very helpful for us. Um, it's a, a, a term of commitment and fidelity and, and strength, like a, a bolding yourself to this thing. Um, to hold fast your wife is for union, to be sure. For the one to be bolted, or even better, maybe we talk about welded to the other one. This is much more than a statement, though, of commitment, like the one that you would make on a Valentine's Day card or, um, you know, a, a card where you would sh profess your love to another. More than just something that would be, let, let's stand by you, you know, I'll stand by you through the good times and the bad, baby, and we'll do our best, and through sunny days and harshest days of, of rain and fire and hell against us, we will, st we will stay this course. <clears throat> these are all nice statements. They are really nice, and I like those. You know, you could use some of that and maybe some of your cards to your wives, but the more important part here is they're just nice sentiments. The more important part here is that they still miss what marriage does to two different people. Notice I use the word does. It is doing something. God says so. There is still one more statement in this verse. We talked about leave. We talked about or, or forsake. Then we move to cling or hold fast or cleave onto this thing. But the last part helps us explain what has happened. And they shall become one flesh. They have actually been changed from being two image bearers to one. I can't even do it with my hands. It's not really helpful. Like, even this analogy doesn't help. That's not correct. In God's ledger, if you will, two have become one unit. That's Jesus' point. If you don't understand that, then you don't understand what marriage is in the first place. It's not a nice agreement between two people who promise to just 50-50 split their responsibilities, go through 20 years of marriage all the way or until they die. That's not what it is. It is a becoming of two different people into one unit. They have, shall become one flesh. And Jesus uses this point from the beginning, Genesis 1, to illustrate his point about divorce. So we have to understand that that is what's happening. It is, like I said, it's actually happening. Something is happening and they're changing, they've changed a status from being an individual to being one with this other person. God has made two people into one flesh. They are no longer two. So let us begin this sermon series here. Right? It's kind of a cliffhanger. We're going we're gonna to continue to talk about the rest of this. But we had to kind of come back and lay this foundation of what it means to be involved in a marriage. Because I think it really bucks against what our society is telling us. And sometimes even our own thoughts. You know, you know, we, you know we're like, I know, we'll work it out. We'll try to work it well, we out. We couldn't work it out. And you know, we'll, we'll separate and try another again, something else. 
Something is happening where you have changed and ripping apart something of two people becoming one in God's eyes. That is huge. God in his kindness has given marriage for the glory of God and for the good of his people. It is a good gift that we enjoy. It's not easy, but it is a good gift. It is the joining or even transformation of two people into one flesh. This understanding will allow us to move forward and understand that Jesus is saying what he's saying about divorce. And more importantly, what he's saying about his kingdom. Think about that for a while. This is not simply, remember, I think we do this sometimes, this these next, these, this sermon, the next two, will not just simply be about divorce. We're part of a whole of Mark here that he, Mark is teaching. He uses this, for instance, on purpose. He uses this. He brings in divorce not because, like, well, maybe we should talk about divorce. We're having a struggle with it and, you know, these people. No, there's a very specific purpose. And especially as Stacy goes and we're going to continue to play this out, you'll see that there's a very important piece that we're trying to understand in how men were treating women and how they are seen in, in their own kingdom there. But again, our topic today is, is both, again, for, for our good and God's glory so that we might know him. My challenge to you today, though, to us today, so we're not just, okay, now just part one, stop, we'll go on to the next. The part one important thing for us to grasp and to hold on to is that believe it. We, we have to believe this. And again, as I talked about at the beginning, we ought to be praying that he would give us hearts of belief. And that we would trust that he's telling us the truth about these things. And that he is God. And therefore it would change our minds and our hearts. Um, ask him to teach you this way. We need to be changed. Romans 12.2 says, and you know this verse, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We want him to do that in us today and tomorrow and the next day. About any different thing it is. So as we come to this, that we would be changed and we would not settle for the world's definition or even our definition of what it, of marriage and divorce means, but rather that we would submit to God's, his definition and what he says. And remember that it's on purpose. It's not like some random rule that he just decided he would like, yeah, no, no divorce. I don't want that either. No, he has a purpose and it's something that reflects his image. So we want to do that and, and trust him. May God grant us transformation that we might not see marriage and divorce on our own terms, but on his. Let's pray. God, you have um, graciously given Jesus Christ as a revelation of who you are. We do not see him with our eyes, and it is very hard for us to believe, like the disciples and like the people around, who had heard all kinds of people say that they were the Messiah or do this or that, or a prophet coming. Lord, it is hard for us to believe. We're no different than Peter who struggles and those that are a part of his party and his, his teaching class, these 12 men, and as we've watched them falter and just make mistakes. Lord, we have hearts of unbelief. We cry out today that you would change our hearts, that you would make us soft for your sake, for your glory. I pray as we go through this that as we think about marriage that we would recognize that we are to forsake mother and father, to leave that relationship and to hold fast to, to our wives. That it has changed us from being two people to being one. And that that's our definition of what you've done. We, we love all the good gifts that you have given to us within marriage. 
Lord, it's wonderful to have companionship. It's wonderful to have sexuality. It's wonderful to have, be able to support one another. But God, may we see it for what it is, a wonderful representation of who you are. Lord, may we believe. Give us hearts to believe in Jesus' name.